Hey guys, I want to thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. But before we get started, I do want to address the elephant in the room. Yes, we have changed our podcast station name. It is no longer The Good DP. Today, we are now officially going by OK Talk. You may be asking yourself, why did we change our name in the middle of all our broadcasts, all the podcasts that are already established? Well, the thing is, I went scrolling one day and I found a lot of similar podcasts with the same subject matter and even the same good premises like the good DP or just good DP. So I wanted to do myself a favor and already go ahead and distinguish ourselves from these other light podcasts. So what better way to go than OK Talk? Now, if you're subscribed to the station already, you're fine. You do not have to resubscribe to the content. Every content that was posted before will fall in line. The only thing that you'll notice is a couple new images and a new brand in OK Talk instead of the good DP. So in the long run, this helps us from any type of lawsuits or any type of questions saying that, we copied off of anybody else's podcast, which we did. And this is very original as far as I'm concerned, speaking to the indie market of DPs. And truthfully, I hope to expand to have a broader show now where we can actually talk to filmmakers as well. So, OK Talk kind of fits that description for us to go here. But I have digressed. I have a really good show for you today. So I do want to express some warning due to the audio. It is very Bad. It is one of my early, 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 early recordings for podcasts, but it is bearable. So without further ado, let's get to it. At first, I was still working with, you know, a lot of men, but I was uh, I've grown and doing like different projects. It's gotten a little easier. So like a lot of people are no longer well in Atlanta. Let me say a lot of people are no longer just looking at race or just looking at gender. It's more so okay, what can you do, you know, for me? Because a lot of projects I have worked on haven't necessarily just been Black. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode on the podcast. Today's guest, I have Ariana Panel. She is an Atlanta-based DP who has shot music videos, short films, and commercial works. So today we're really going to get into the topic of women and as they move into the industry and progressively change the face of what a DP looks like. We're also going to discuss the Atlanta market um, on the indie side. So I think it'll be a really good topic to discuss. And then I want to follow up with her as far as how did she decide to become a DP? What drove her to being behind the camera? So without further ado, let's get into this podcast. How did you start or what made you decide to go into this film filmmaking? Well, um, I've always been a fan of cameras, even when I was little. I well, really just the art and entertainment world in general, like in uh, elementary, I started with music that grew to poetry 
And then in middle school, it grew into drama and acting. Hmm. And then once I got into high school, I did the um, the news over the intercom. And then I also did um, broadcasting. Oh, okay. So from there, I actually thought I wanted to do radio for a while. And then I took some classes in college. And you know how that goes. <laughs> I can tell you, you know, you can really figure out what you want to do there. Exactly. So I thought I wanted to do radio. And then I thought I wanted to do news broadcasting for a while. And then I picked up um, a cinema camera, like one of the old cinema cameras that you actually had to color grade for real or your footage would be blue. <laughs> yes, back then. And then I took a script writing class where I wrote my own script. And in another class, I got to direct it, produce it, film it, edit it, all wow. of that. So from there, I just had a love for filmmaking or video in general. Okay. So that's basically how I got started there. <laughs> Nice. In that, uh, when you guys were in the class, like, how much research did you have to do to figure out, like, all the roles that you were actually going to be doing during that filmmaking process? And how did you kind of find which one you eventually grow into more? Well, we mainly, of course, you start with book work. You have to learn the beginnings, the F-stops, and color grading, and um, just different angles and all of that first. So when I first picked it up, like I said, I wanted to do news before I did filming making because I was taking both classes. So with news, you kind of had to be your own camera person and anchor woman at the same time mm. for our class. But with filmmaking, we had a crew. So we all got a chance to play with the cameras, with different angles, with tilting and panning and all of that. So I kind of fell into learning the camera from there. So it kind of drove me away from news just mm. because the, I think I'm better behind the camera. Okay. You know, I'm a little shy, to be honest. So being behind a camera, I don't have to be in front, but I can also um, give direction and stuff as well, especially as a cinematographer or a DP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I fell into it from there. I had an awesome teacher that showed us the ropes. And my first team was actually pretty good. We did a silent film. Really? Okay. Yeah, so... Interesting working with a silent film. I'm, probably, I'm pretty sure that's probably one of the hardest things to produce, too, because you don't have any worries to depict your story. <laughs> you know, exactly. And it really separates you because I, I feel like it separates the DP from the writer and the director because you're back into that age old trying to tell a story completely visually, you know? Right. So I, I, right. I think it's really important for at least every young DP to make that silent film, whether they go to film school or not, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a it's a great project to work on. Just do a short film, try to figure out how your story should go. So definitely, definitely. definitely. So I guess that will lead more into my question because uh, you sound like you did kind of like what I did. So I went to school for communication, mass media, and kind of just Same. <laughs> you know, and just kind of just piddle paddled around and found or ended up falling in love with the camera and just telling narratives pieces. So. Would you suggest or what would be your advice for someone who's trying to go either the film school route or even trying just to learn it on their own? To be honest, like in this day and age, I feel like I learned more on set once I got out of college. Like, Hmm. obviously, I got the book and the, you know, just the basic groundwork from school. Mm -hmm. But you can also learn that online. And if you learn way more on set than you will in school. But it's also good to have that, you know, just 
to say that, okay, I've learned this. I do have knowledge in this. So I really think it's more of a preference. But if I could do it all over again, honestly, I would get my degree in something like business or mm-hmm. marketing mm-hmm. and learn film from YouTube or Skillshare because I, I still go to Skillshare and YouTube to learn anything about film just to make sure I'm keeping up with, you know, relevance and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so you would... You would add more to your arsenal as far as like learning the actual business side of the filmmaking process. Okay. Yes. That's interesting. So, for our young listeners out there, how do you, when you graduated from college, how did you just end up on professional and young indie sets? When I graduated college, I'm not going to lie, it was hard, especially in our industry, because we don't have to send like traditional resumes and have traditional interviews, especially for film. Mm. Like the stuff that works for a regular business, it doesn't work in the film industry. So mm-hmm. it was definitely hard. So after a while of trying to do filmmaking, I tried to go back into broadcast and finding jobs that way. And one day somebody messaged me out of the blue asking me, did I want to do some camera operation for a YouTube series called Atlanta Life and Grind? Hmm. So I kind of got my start in there. It didn't really go off anywhere. I take off anywhere. We're actually trying to still bring it back. But um, you know how organization and planning can go. But that's basically (laughs) how I got into getting back into film again. I started with that where I would follow these Atlanta artists and go around town in Atlanta with them while they perform and things that and with that i got back into videography for doing um like a small events for like elena's got talent before it was actually what it is now it used to be the small underground thing so i used to do stuff like that and just things for um artists and clubs so you got to start from somewhere <laughs> and you know it's funny because i think a lot of people especially probably who don't go to film school route start off in the videography land of just like mm-hmm. events uh reality tele television um just anything creative at that point just being behind the camera so it's interesting you said that yep i definitely started there i grew from there eventually started meeting people in the film industry and that's how i started getting some of my jobs in the film industry so I, you you, do, you definitely have to start somewhere mm-hmm. What's well, funny because it's like you're kind of going down my list of like questions by answering or leading <laughs> to the next question. So definitely, since you brought up Atlanta, I you know I want to get into this. Sometimes it's an argument, sometimes it's a debate. But how has Atlanta been instrumental or not instrumental as far as your career finding jobs and set opportunities here? Hmm. Atlanta is very competitive. Like we always hear when you go to California, it's competitive, but Atlanta is definitely getting there. It is, it is very competitive. And a lot of more, a lot more people are trying to get into our industry Hmm. ever since like Atlanta's became like the new Hollywood, as they say, it's become more competitive. You have people that are trying to be cinematographers, directors, all of this stuff. And a lot of them actually haven't even gone to school. They're just learning as they go. So it makes it hard and you have to find a way to stand out, which is even harder because everything's kind of be created, has already been like created. You just have to put your own twist on things. Exactly. So it's, uh, it's hard. It's competitive. I will say that. And it's funny because like, even then we, we know how Hollywood and California and everything is competitive there because you just have, more productions more sets more film schools Mm -hmm. so you have this influx of actors creators everything like that 
what I see in Atlanta is I see everyone who wants, like you said, who wants to be a creative, who wants to do this. I think my problem is I'm very inclusive. So I love the fact that, you know, someone just wants to quit their job and start becoming a writer. Like I support that. But I think there's a level of artistry and a discipline because you're going to have a lot of people that I personally see in Atlanta who don't learn the art, who don't learn the discipline of becoming a writer or becoming a DP or a videographer. So I yeah, like the go ahead. Sorry, no, no, no. I just see a lot of you know work out here that's not that I feel that's not of quality. Mm-hmm. Not because you're not trained, but just because you didn't put the discipline behind it. You know? Yeah. So, like, what do you feel? How do you feel about that? I feel that same same way. Like, I've worked on a few sets where, okay, you see this great idea that someone put together, but they didn't learn what is needed behind. Like, I have worked on a few sets that didn't even include sound. So I definitely, you're right. Like, I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, they didn't learn the art behind it. They just wrote something and then tried to put together without knowing all the elements that you need to Mm -hmm. produce a film. Mm -hmm. So I I totally get that. Like, I've worked with people who haven't done sound. Um, Recently worked on a project where um, lighting was such a big issue. And I know lighting and sound are one of the crucial things to make a film. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like they didn't really care. And of course I work on a lot of low budget stuff. So I know you can't always get anything, but you can also be creative. Like everything doesn't have to be expensive. Exactly. Exactly. And that kind of goes back to the whole DIY school of film as well, from being taught by YouTube and, you know, getting everything that you need to fulfill whatever you're trying to do. Definitely. Like YouTube is their friend and it's so many different people creating DIY projects just for like I watch a lot of like Potato Jet I don't know if you've heard of him and he he does he creates stuff and he started from the bottom a long time ago so it's many ways to get out there and learn what you need to to produce a proper film Mm -hmm. now what do you for young listeners what do you consider a proper production if someone were to call you up right now and say hey Ariana I need a DP so the main thing I've been asking lately, especially if with my pricing, mm-hmm. because as an independent camera operator, I've been on sets where they expect you to do everything. Mm-hmm. So what I do now is I ask, okay, do you have a sound guy? Mm-hmm. Do you have a lighting technician? You know, mm-hmm. um, what like what do I need to do? You have assistant director? Do you have assistant camera operator? Because obviously, like I can use something small like a Sony or a Canon to produce your film, but I also need to make sure that lighting and that sound is great exactly. because the sound is trash. I'm going to turn it off. Exactly. Sometimes you can get around lighting, but like stuff that's blown out, um, you just gotta just, I don't know. Lighting is so crucial to me just because like actors are different colors and stuff. So you want to make sure they match. They don't mm-hmm. look blown out. They don't mm-hmm. look like they're drowned out, you know, mm-hmm. especially the, also the background when it's sunny outside, you don't want to make sure it's completely white in the background of your subject. Mm-hmm. So lighting, lighting sound and as less shaky footage as possible. No, we know sometimes we can't get around shaky footage and yeah. sometimes it's okay, yeah. but you don't want your whole film to be shaky, you know? No, I I completely agree. I actually have gotten into the routine of, so I actually know like five 
location sound um, operators. So I personally know them through either just coming across to them, working on a project, even producing a project where I just learned sound. Me as a DP, I love sound. So that's actually become my first question when someone calls and try to hire mm-hmm. me because the reason why I don't want, you know, a lack of effort on sound, nobody's going to watch my film or yeah. a film that I, I, I shot and it sounds horrible. For some, I understand. You know, for some reason we get associated with the sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I think that is crazy, man. It's just like you spend all this money, you know, either renting gear or providing your own gear. And, you know, I'm sure you're used to the red craze. You know, do you have a red? Can you get a red? Yes. And it's like you spend all this money on the camera itself versus the actual operator behind it. And then just this no, no, no love for sound. And so I, I love the fact that you said, you know, sound is definitely the first question that you asked for that as far as that mm-hmm. production. Yeah. It's, you just got to make sure you pay attention to those key things because yeah. you want people to watch your film, especially now that it's like um, more film festival time. You want to make sure that you're ready to go because you can win money or stuff or even have it produced for something bigger, you know? So you want to make sure all everything is in a row. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, you said something that I wanted to touch on too, in the aspect of pricing. Um, I think that's probably been the most difficult thing for someone to kind of level off what all they need to include. Um, as far as pricing, as far as coming as a DP, as you and I both know, you know, DP is the head of the department. There's people, there's right. a group of collection of people that help us get that final output. And I think there's a lot of misconception as far as the indie level, uh, even below the indie level. Of mm-hmm. Now you're just becoming that one man band camp, that one person try to do it all. What, how do you feel or how do you structure your pricing? What young listener could you tell to structure their pricing? So, Everyone can still feel like, hey, for this project, we may not have enough money to actually hire an entire department and we may need you to do more that's outside of your scope. How do you go about putting a price on that and then still having the same expectation of, okay, one person shot this? Yeah, so that goes back to the budget of the film Mm -hmm. because we were, like you said, we work on indie projects, so it might not have the biggest budget. And then, of course, it goes to what all am I doing? Because if we have to do that one-man band, you need to make sure you're capable of of that and also making sure that you pay yourself well because you have to now supply all of that equipment. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Like, you have to charge. I charge an equipment service charge, a fee. Hmm. for using my equipment so and then you gotta i've also worked back going back to videography where i used to work in clubs Mm -hmm. i didn't take an account back then that you might have to pay for parking the place may be a little bit further than what you're used to so you need to pay for gas you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and if going back to one man band if you're also editing Oh gosh, we, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> I know. For me doing camera operation, I usually don't include editing only because I'm not. I don't really allow. I don't like editing too much. <laughs> yeah, but for camera operation, um, discover what 
how how you want to live your life and mm-hmm. you know what your needs are and then try to charge from there and how many clients you need from there because mm-hmm. that's what I've done. But when you're first starting off, obviously you don't want to charge seven hundred dollars per day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. You're just working with a small DSLR. Exactly, exactly. So you got to make sure your pricing is um, manageable, I guess. Okay. So. I think, yeah, that's pretty much, that's what I go in for budgeting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how long have you been doing the DP route now, aside from videography? Aside, probably a year now, but I've also done, I've I've done consistent work more so last year than I have this year, but I've kind of put DPing a little bit on the back burner, but not completely, like I still do um, different stuff. But I've had other projects come up that I want to do as well. Okay. But I've been doing it for a year. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Have you had any of your own passion projects that you've been working on so far? I actually had a dream about a script that I want to write, which is a little bit crazy. <laughs> it kind of has like a us vibe a little bit. Okay. But I wanna I'm gonna start in the process of writing that script out so I can start producing my own stuff because I haven't produced anything since that last year of college of my own. Gotcha. And I think that's another thing that young um I've DPs need to know that you need to create your own projects mm-hmm. because especially when it comes to those winter months and those fall months and the the jobs aren't rolling in as much, you need to make sure you're still working. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, yeah. I completely agree on, especially during that time. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I learned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like my head is spinning during those months. Um, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think a definite pioneer of professionally shooting for a job and shooting your own content. Reed Morano has definitely kind of changed that narrative. One, as a woman, two, Mm -hmm. as a director and a DP constantly. You know, like it's not a DP who has transitioned into a director and now only directs. So I really enjoyed seeing that on a professional level. Because when we're coming up as videographers, at first, you know, the first thing you're having people tell you is, oh, you can't do both. Which, truthfully, it is two brains to direct and then be Mm -hmm. a director of photography. And that that is difficult. But I love the fact to see Reed do that on a consistent basis and still get quality products, still get her look, and now adding her direction on the scene. Um, Yeah. Definitely um, very inspiring. Um, I want to ask you, like, how has the industry from since you come in been as far as being a black creative filmmaker as a woman, a black female creative woman in the industry in a time now that the industry seems to be very more receptive to a woman being a director of a series to an action led film um, with a female actress and now the um the increase as far as like dp female dps i know rachel morrison who works with ryan coogler all the time right um how has that been for you coming into this industry now to see that well I- got you yeah so they've also i've worked on um projects with Latinos, white people, white people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so it's, 
I didn't really start off with having to deal with racism or or even with anything with gender. Mm -hmm. So I can't say I'm blessed to say that. But like I said, we're working in Atlanta. (laughs) So it might not be the same everywhere else. Very true. Very true. Uh, Especially with everything going on now as far as like industry shooting over here and then taking everything back to Hollywood. I know. I know. I'm so nervous for that. I really am. (laughs) (laughs) just because um recently we've heard about netflix and disney trying to pull out and it's like netflix is really big here like i want to do something with netflix please don't go (laughs) exactly exactly. i have a lot of friends who've been in the um lighting and grip department for all the projects like um what stranger things was like a block away from me one day when i was working Mm -hmm. on something so i think that's really gonna hurt georgia as far as the perception of how hollywood's been filming here in the last 10 years right so it's like we as the creators have to move with it or we have to stand together and do something i i have no clue but i i work in buckhead like mm-hmm. as a regular day job mm-hmm. and um i have productions around me all the time mm-hmm. just in that one area so I, I just don't want to see him go. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I'm uh, every time I, I, and I work down in um, downtown Atlanta, like five minutes from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So okay. it's funny actually driving by. And you see the production signs on every corner now, just yeah. like you're in Hollywood. You know, so like passing through the Bad Boys set and everything like that is just so surreal. Yeah to all the filming in the AUC center where you have, where you used to have the quad and everything like that. So I think that's been really cool. And I think that's going to really suck if they end up pulling out. Right. Right. So like, yeah, I see them all the time too. So I just, I need them to stay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go to New York and I don't think I'm ready to make that lead to California yet. (laughs) I know. Right. I know. So, I guess that leads me probably with like two more questions for you. Um, What is your expectation? Or let me say it like this. Uh, What would be your advice to another young creative individual filmmaker that's coming up and having to work? Like you said, we have to work a day job and we put our productions in a different brain you know, based off our skills or from work, what would be your advice to someone who's looking to tap into this industry, but might not be able to f- afford it at this moment in time? Uh, just keep saving. Um, that's really like this industry, like you said, it's not a cheap industry, especially as a TP. Like, obviously we can go out and rent camera equipment, but I get some jobs that asked me like two days before and I need to bring my own equipment. I don't have time to go rent equipment. So you definitely got to make sure that you at least have a working camera with a couple of batteries. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to, you want a camera nowadays with good dynamic range, good low light capabilities and things like that. So that's not necessarily cheap. Mm. So you definitely have to save. And if you do have to be that one man crew that needs to have lighting and sound, you also have to get something like that. Okay. So save a little bit as your paycheck. I use a digit app that takes a little bit um, each day and saves it into my account, depending on what it thinks I can save. Okay. And I just transfer that money back over when I'm ready, ready to buy new equipment. Really? That's actually so, pretty smart. I'm going to have to look into yeah. that. <laughs> yes. Um, 
you do side jobs like Uber Eats. I did that too. I also did Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to fuel this hobby, like it, it definitely takes dedication mm-hmm. and it definitely takes money. So. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Now, again, like I said, we've talked about Atlanta basically in the backdrop of um, building our career up. How do you feel working in Atlanta, stand, standing with uh, New York or working in L.A., um, do you feel like you can create a sustainable reputation and career in Atlanta alone versus going to the bigger markets like New York and L.A.? Um, that's primarily what I'm working on now is mm-hmm. building in Atlanta first and then maybe eventually move into California. I don't think New York is for me because I don't like the cold, <laughs> <laughs> but if I had, I really want to travel more so than just move out of Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I want to have that reputation where people can call me and say, Hey, you know, we need to shoot this film. And I also like to shoot commercials. So like, Hey, I need you to come shoot this commercial. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I'm doing now. I'm putting myself out there. I still send resumes myself. Sometimes people just come and say, hey, I heard about you from somewhere else. You know, can you come do this for me? And yeah, I'm working towards it. So we shall see. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. I'm not too far off, I don't think, though. I'm definitely getting more requests versus sending out more resumes. The only thing is, like, I like to put my stuff on Instagram, but when you work on, like, short films, especially mm-hmm. ones that's going out to film festivals, you can't really add that stuff to the Instagram. So people don't really see that you're working. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's comp- kind of where I am now. <laughs> I completely agree with that. I think I've gotten more jobs off of set to set versus mm-hmm. any kind of marketing, any type of Instagram posting or anything. Now I have gotten a lot of jobs off Instagram from screenshots and screen grabs, but, and those are just the ones that I can post up. So I I completely agree. You know, a lot of people don't think we're working. Um, That actually leads me to a question to ask you now with Mm -hmm. the uh, the common culture kind of in Atlanta. I think there's like a, an excitement to say, or be filming and be working on projects. How do you feel or have you been on a set to where it feels like there's more energy put into the behind the scenes versus the actual production? Yes. <laughs> One, because that, that's definitely me because I love to show, you know, that I am working or I am working on set. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm told I can't do it, then obviously I won't do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because people see that you're working, um, it gets people excited to see you're working. Like I have a friend, he loves to see me post. Cause he absolutely loves my work. Like he will go out and help me find clients if I need to and things like that. Like he actually just got me a gig doing a 60 second commercial. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, it's just, you do have fans and of course you do have haters, but everything can work, you know, to help you grow your clientele. Mm -hmm. Social media is a big thing and we know that, but people want to see your work versus just you talking. So they want to see action. No, so, I, completely I love agree. doing behind the scenes. Okay. Absolutely. I completely agree. So would you, as a DP or, a, you know, a young filmmaker, would you hire somebody to be your sole BTS for your, your media, social media? I definitely would. Um, when I, w- I did this series um, not too long ago, and I would have, we hired an actual assistant to help, like, the camera crew get, 
BTS footage or, you know, just BTS photos. Mm -hmm. Just because we put that, and I put those on my Instagram um, quite a lot, but we have people just like that. So I I definitely would hire someone, um, even if, because I did BTS as well for a music video uh, earlier this year, Mm -hmm. and I got to pay like uh, $150 for four hours. Wow. So people want to look back on that stuff. People want to post stuff. Not only that, it's good marketing. Ah, you're right. Like you see that and you're like, okay, well, I can't wait for this to come out. That's true. So definitely, yeah. That's true. So for our young listeners, um, and I definitely want to include, you know, any age, any race, any gender, what what kind of advice would you give to someone just starting out or looking to seek advice? So if somebody hit your inbox up right now, like Ariana, how am I supposed to do this or how can I do this? What would be your advice to them? Uh, main thing is to have work to show. Even if you take your best friend out and just film them doing a short scene, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, make sure you have something to show, you know, because you have to, you have to apply for jobs. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you have something on your resume and you have a portfolio. That's the main thing. That portfolio will get you in the door. And then from there, just staying consistent. Networking. Oh, I had to learn hard way with networking because I wasn't networking at first. Oh, networking is so bad. (laughs) Exactly. And people forget about that. But in our industry, it's not what about you and what you know. It's not even who you know. It's about who knows you. Oh, yeah. So networking is another big thing. That portfolio, networking, resume, finding film work. Staying consistent. Mm-hmm. You have to do all of that. You have to make sure you have the time. You put in the time and the effort. Because in the film industry, it, nothing works unless you do. I'm unless you're already that. at that. You know that stand. Whether, unless you're like higher up and everybody knows you. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, we're beginners. or you, uh, There are beginners out there. So. Exactly, exactly. Definitely. 